For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You're listening to the Believe in Giants podcast with Giants legend Carl Banks and broadcaster Bob Papa. Welcome to another edition of Believe in Giants. Bob Papa with two-time Super Bowl champion Carl Banks and uh Carl, we're going to do a little look back at the game against the Eagles, then spring forward to this hopefully new beginning. It'll be a new year by the time the Giants play the Bears. It'll be 2022. Hopefully, uh, we could see some better results. But, you know, a lot of disappointment surrounding last week's game because, you know, Philadelphia is they're kind of sleepwalking through the first half. And, and, and there was things in that game that were to be had, and the Giants just Boy, it's like whenever a team offers you an offering, you can't keep swiping it away. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, what What interests me, we know the obvious, right? Um, it's a team that the offense has just not entered um, the 21st century. And we have to expect more going forward. But there were some other areas, too, as well as the defense appeared to have played. They, too, were swatting away a few opportunities because, and this is no um, no disrespect to Jalen Hurts, um, but there were a few balls he threw up there that were punts, and they just Ooh. got, they got out-competed for those footballs. Now, this is maybe something we'd like to see more of from um, giant receivers where it, it's some of those balls, they were 50, 50 or less than 50, 50. And they out competed the giants. Uh, Bradbury had an opportunity. McKinney had an opportunity. Love had an opportunity. Those were three that were obvious, like just, they were air balls. Basically. He just threw them up there and, um, their guys were able to out compete the giants for those footballs. So, for all the good things, and the Giants did play a very good defensive game, there are some things you can't let slip by either. Um, those types of plays are the ones that help your team also when you're struggling. So um, we can't completely absolve the defense. And then when we talk about those types of plays that slip away, your best players have to be able to be counted on to make a team pay. And we've seen often this year where James Bradbury has been in great position and not made plays and end up giving up a big one. That can't happen. He's too good for that. Um, but that's a focus. That's a focus situation. That's um, being in the moment and not relaxing when the other team wants it more than you. You've got to want it as bad, if not worse, because your, your team is in a worse situation. Yeah, Carl. And I think one of the things that was very glaring in the game on Sunday to me was exactly what you're pointing out. You know, look, the giants quarterback play is subpar and, and we kind of talked about, you know, the whole Jake Fromm scenario and everybody was excited to see him play. Look, I wanted to see him play, mm -hmm. but let's not forget against when he came into the game two weeks ago, Came in at the end of the game, running a two-minute against a team that had a big lead. There were going to be certain things that were going to be to be had. You know, last week when Philadelphia was preparing for Jake Fromm, they went back and looked at all of his college. They looked at any time he played in the preseason. And there's a big difference running a full game as opposed to coming in off the bench, running the two-minute offense in the last three or four sure. minutes of the game. And we certainly saw that. And we saw what his limitations are arm strength wise and everything else. And then Mike Lennon is what it is as far as, you know, what, you know, how high a bar he possibly could have. But I thought you brought up a really good point because one of the things that 
really became self-evident in this game was the fact that, I mean, we have not seen many above the X's and O's played by guys that, frankly, you would expect to make above X's and sure. O's plays. Yeah, and, and that's, that is something that um, as you finish out this season and you go into a new year, um, you got to show a little more pride. You know, I, I often laud uh, the efforts of this team and that they're playing hard. Um, but there are some guys that can play better. Um, and, you know, obviously some people say, well, you're stating the obvious, but I'm talking about the little things that can get you uh, over the hump when you're a bad, a horrible team, right? Um, play above the X's and O's. Sometimes you're paid that. Um, I, you know, and then I, I saw a clip circulating where everybody was just so down on Saquon Barkley for his performance. And then somebody showed a clip where the Giants ran like a little swing pass to him. They had three on three. Uh, I mean, three on two, three receivers to block two defenders. And they all had a no hitter. The only thing oh, that got that hit possible? was Saquon Barkley. Yeah, the only person that got hit was Saquon Barkley. Well, look, you can say, well, the play was predictable. But still, you're out there. They're out there. It's three of you. It's two of them. And you have no hitters. And then Saquon Barkley looks like crap. You know? So uh, these are things when I talk about an effort. It's not a winning effort. They're playing hard for Joe. But some of this crap, you know, they got to have a little pride in what they do a little pride in their job um, to go out and, and help themselves aside from just going out and play, you know, doing wind sprints and playing hard. You know, here's why I know fans are watching. They watch us every week. They're waiting to hear what we have to say. And, you know, there's a segment, there's some fans that have, have grown so disgruntled, so upset, frankly, so angry. And mm -hmm. I understand it that no matter what comes out of our mouth, they're going to be like, oh, they're just making excuses. They're the broadcast yeah. guys for the team or whatever. But really, I think what, you, what you've illustrated so far is that it's really a team. It's a team game, and it's a team-wide issue, right? I'll, I'll give mm -hmm. up. I'll, I'll bring up a couple of things. First of all, the point you first made, Philadelphia had a couple of guys play above the X's and O's. I know Devontae Smith was a first round pick, but Quez Watkins wasn't okay. Right. And, and so they made a couple of plays above the X's and O's the giants. It's like, it bounces off a hand. It bounces off a shoulder pad. You know, where's the extraordinary play sometimes that you have to make mm -hmm. that's not happening. Conversely, they're giving those up. You mentioned Saquon Barkley. Um, you're hundred percent right. How many times are we calling a game? when the giants are on defense and just based on the personnel of their opponent, we have a pretty good idea of what plays coming up and it's still successful. Mm -hmm. Well, we knew it's, we had a pretty good seat sense it was coming. How many times this year have we seen the giants have a play completely diagnosed properly um, only to find a missed tackle, a bad angle. And even though they had the play read and diagnosed, the other team gets 12 yards or, or 15 yards. So going to your, I'm taking a long-winded approach to this. You're hundred percent, right? It doesn't matter that Philadelphia knew that that screen to Barkley in the flat was coming. You had three for two, your will, your heart, your hustle, your determination, your focus play in and play out, especially on a four and 10 team at the time. Cause we didn't have the result of the game yet. You got to be better than that. Yeah. That's plain and simple because that's, that's a play that everybody in the league runs. And when you have a three on two blocking situation, Saquon Barkley shouldn't be losing yards on the play. Never had a chance, but there's, there's two words. You said focus and finish. That's what they got to do. Like, yeah, again, you can run around and you can, you can show good effort, but make sure your effort pays off. Make sure you can finish uh, the job. So these last two games, it's about showing that you give a damn um, about winning and not being the doormat and not being the whipping boards of your fan base. Um, you know, Logan Ryan says, well, he hasn't, they haven't given the, the fans 
anything to cheer about or anything to feel great about so he understands uh, why they're upset. Well, do something about it. Everybody, do something about it. It's, it's you know, give them something to look forward to. Like, start to build towards next year. Uh, aside from an effort, which basically is a losing effort right now, and look, we've we've gone over this a thousand times, so I'm beating a dead horse, and everybody knows it. But play above the X's and O's with your best players, right? Uh, finish plays, focus, and make. Here's the thing: make your efforts pay off for you. If you're gonna run like hell to get to the football, make a tackle. If the ball's in the air and you need to make one of those above the numbers type of catches because it was a punt, go make it, make them pay for it. I mean, there were times where Jalen Hurts was on the ropes and he just, you know, he threw it up there and said, my receivers will take care of me. We'll keep this drive going, you know? Um, And you talk about playing into the opponent's hand or the opponent playing in your hands, they could run the ball. They ran the ball down the Giants' throat, but for some reason, Nick Sariani thought, well, I'm going to show these guys that I can pass it too. And, you know, in the first half, it was uh, punt after punt after punt. The Giants were playing great defense. The guy was trying to pass the ball, and they, they did a good job. Then all of a sudden, they got a little something going. They threw up a few prayers, and they were answered by their receivers. And, again, this is not – uh, a direct swipe at Jalen Hurts because he he did enough to win the football game and he made enough plays. But on those particular plays where the Giants had opportunities to, to do something, they didn't. And complimentary football, what does that look like, right? Offense struggling, defense has a chance for um, a turnover. They don't get it. That's not complimenting right? You're being complimentarily bad. You know, you're reciprocating bad play on both sides of the ball. Complimentary football. Uh, you know, your quarterbacks aren't playing well. Your punter is one of your last defender. And as long as you could play the field position game, it was great. But when they needed him, he had about three bad ones. And that really turned the game around too. Yeah, and in the first half, not taking advantage as they were playing great defense, they were getting good field position, yet they weren't scoring. Um, which leads me, well, I'll go back to Barkley for a second. The one thing that it was a little bit alarming to both of us in the booth, because in Philadelphia, the announced position is really good. It's it's on the mezzanine level, so you're not too high up, uh, but you're not too low. And you're somewhere around the 25-yard line or so, 30-yard line, 25-yard line, which compared to a lot of the stadiums, especially the newer ones, this is like prime position. Mm-hmm. So they ran a they ran a play to Barkley. They handed it off to Barkley, and it was an outside run. And they had a block great, Carl. And you and I were both looking, and I think we both like almost gasped a little bit because you're sitting there saying yourself, there goes Saquon. And he got tackled from behind at the Giants 29-yard line by the linebacker. Yeah, it was a gain of four, and it probably should have been a gain of 60. Yeah. And it was I, set up well. And um, the, the acceleration uh, didn't seem to be there. Um, now the he turbo had been, jet, the... Yeah, now... He's taking his lumps, right? So I'm not going to be that person to pile on. We see what we see. Um, Cause and effect. I know he had been in and out of the game. He had limped off a few times, so maybe the ankle was bothering him. But uh, but we're seeing what we're seeing. Um, we'll see. That got me depressed during the game. I got to be honest. Of all the of all the stuff that happened during the game, and I think I said to you this during a commercial break. I said. Of all the bad quarterback play and, and you know, the third downs and the yeah. third and long. And I said, the thing that might have me the most down is on a play that was finally blocked basically perfectly. Hit the turbo button and go, and it just didn't go. It didn't fire. And it was like, wow, four yards, nice four-yard gain. But 
Whoa. Yeah. So that was alarming. Hopefully, uh, hopefully that doesn't happen again. One more thing about complimentary football that I know torqued us off a little bit. And um, I listen, it's a fair thing to bring up on this podcast because we, we talked about Nick Sirianni. The last time they played the Giants, they ran the ball for over 200 yards. They've been averaging over 214 yards a game rushing. And for some reason, they came up with a game plan against the Giants. And it was like in the first half, we're going to just throw it constantly. Yeah. Blows me away. Blows me away. Um, but then I want to f- turn it back to the Giants because it, it's, it's a league-wide problem for some teams. Carl, you're playing a team that played on Tuesday. So they're playing on short rest. Um, you've got to, you line up with your power personnel in a, in a big man formation. And I think the drive, the drive, the Giants had good field position too. I think they started like at their own 38 or 41 or whatever. I can't remember what the drive was. And you come out and you pound the rock for six yards, five and a half, six yards, impose your will, blow them off the ball. And you immediately jumbo part, big uh, tackle eligible goes out. Kyle Rudolph goes out. And all of a sudden on second and four and a half, you're in spread <laughs> and you're in empty. And then they brought yeah. Barkley in. They motioned him in off, 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 off the outside to come set in the backfield, I think. And everybody knew what was coming after that. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, all right, wait a second. You why not give them another dose of it? Why not give them another dose of heavy personnel with a different look to the other side, run a different play off the heavy personnel, but make the threat that we're going to pound you into the natural grass surface of your own field until you show you can stop. Us. Yes, um, it is. And that, that blew me away. And I was like, it, it continues to blow me away. And, you know, everybody... Everybody has this uh, format that was made popular by the late, great Bill Walsh, where they have a script of plays, the first 15, first 20, or whatever. That applies when you got about three or four Hall of Famers where defense is on his heels. Um, But when you don't, you find plays that work and you stay with them until the team stops you. And it is the most mind boggling thing where you strategically hurt yourself to your point. Here's a team that probably didn't practice all week because they had a Thursday, uh, uh, a Tuesday game. And the first thing you should be thinking in terms of your, even in your advanced scouting is how can we take their legs away from them? The coach couldn't practice them. We're either going to be physical or we're going to be fast. We're going to raise our tempo so that they could never get their legs under them. And if you got something that's working, if it's physical play, you just keep doing it, keep doing it. Cause they're not going Their legs ain't going to recover. Right. But if you just keep hopscotching around, your 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 freaking play sheet it just look their defensive backs had a day off right and the things that were working for you you went away from strategically whoever is reimagining this offense next season because i doubt very seriously if they're going there i know they're not going in with the same concepts it's just it's just not tenable but whoever is, the one thing you better be, and I, I, the thing that kills me too, is the word play calling genius. Oh, they can script plays. You know, the plays that work are the plays that work. I don't care about the imagination of, you know, uh, bunch formations and this. I get that. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm in the, the modern world. But whatever is working strategically, folks, this, this game ain't that hard. Find the things that work and stay with them. When you're grab bagging all over the place, 
that means ain't shit working. Right. So, especially, especially with a quarterback making his first start that from the minute he's throwing the ball, you can see he has limitations. Right. You know, it's one thing if you pound it for five and then you go empty and uh, Aaron Rodgers or Peyton Manning is your quarterback or Eli Manning or whatever. Sure. But then you got a guy in his first start. Clearly, he's got limitations with arm strength uh, and everything like and, and you could call you could run other plays off the same look. I mean, yes, but that is the thing that's baffling me. So. You know, with all of the great play callers that they call themselves and the geniuses and their programs and, 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 and their um, their formats of how they approach football, their systems, the best systems are the ones that can get consecutive plays that work. And you just build off of your successful plays. You don't go away from them. You make a team have to fear stopping something. So if you get seven on first, do you not think they're going to bring somebody up in the box? You don't have to go empty for that. You don't even have to change personnel. As you've got your best receivers that can do certain things, let them commit to the box, and then you can get a deep shot on them, right? You can get to those other plays on your script, but the thing that's strategically flawed about this offensive system is that it hopscotches all over the playbook. It's like it's it's a um, it's a cheesecake factory menu. You wow. sit, you don't know what you want to order. You know, it's so much crap on it. Find your stuff that works, right? I like cheesecake factory. Well, I do too, but they got a big ass menu. You gotta yeah. admit. Or it's like going to those old school back diners. in the day diners when they you yes. could order anything from an omelet to uh, fried shrimp to chicken cordon bleu to prime rib to waffles. Yeah. And you just got to find something that worked. But the, the thing that's strategically flawed about the plan last week is that this team was on three days rest. They didn't practice. You did nothing nothing to take their legs away from them. They walked through this game like it was nothing. You've got to have, if you said we're going to pound them, we're going to take their legs, or if you had the personnel, which you don't because the quarterback couldn't do it, you go into a fast break offense. Maybe they should have went into a two-minute offense and just sped everything up to get them tired. But um, it looked like the Giants were on two days rest more so than um, the Eagles. So, I think that's enough of that. Um, we got to spin forward now, but I got to let yeah. it, I, I got to let everybody know that uh, we're back and better than ever with Bet Online. Remains your number one spot for all basketball and football action. If you go to the new updated desktop or mobile website, sign up today. Fifty percent welcome bonus on your first deposit. Now, different <laughs> promo code this week. Just believe B L E A V, and you get your bonus. Bet online, the fastest, easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. Okay, so now we fast forward. The Giants are going to be in Chicago again. This is the fourth consecutive year that the Giants are going to play the Bears. And guess what, fans? They're playing the Bears again next year for sure. It's like a scheduling oddity. It was kind of like in the early 2000s when the Giants played Minnesota a bunch of years in a row. Um Next year, the Giants will play the NFC North, which means that the Bears are in that division, so they'll play them. Now, the last time they played the Bears when the, the NFC North was matched up against the NFC East, the game was in Chicago, so I'm, I'm pretty certain next year's game will be at MetLife. And the, and the reason why they've been playing in consecutive years is because in the years in which the NFC East is not playing the NFC North, based on where you finished the year before, determines who you play from the other divisions. So the Giants are going to get uh, – the Giants potentially are going to finish last, right? I mean, I guess if they beat – if they win the last two games of the season and finish with six wins, um, you know, they could – I think Washington's at six right now. Um, and let's say Washington loses out. I don't know what all the tiebreakers were, mm -hmm. but uh, – Next year, if the Giants finish last as an example, they're going to play the last place team from the south, 
they're going to play the last place team from the West, which is no bargain. Mm-hmm. And they're going to play the NFC North next year. So the, they'll have the Bears for a fifth consecutive year. Um, and let's face it, Carl, the last two years in Chicago have been these ugly, they could have won kind of football games. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously last year, Saquon Barkley got hurt in Chicago. Um, so, you know, his arc comes full circle some 15 months after the injury. Sure. Uh, you know, we'll see who's off the COVID list, who's on the COVID list. That would be a big factor. I, I got, I hope Julian Love would could come off the COVID list because yeah. two years in a row, we've Giants have played in Chicago. He's gotten an interception. Uh, and then you take a look at this defense, Carl. Um, you know, we've talked about the struggles of the Giants offensive line. Well, good luck this week because Robert Quinn's got 17 sacks. They got Eddie Goldman. And they got a guy that I know that you love, Akeem Hicks, that uh, could just yeah. wreak havoc, uh, havoc up front. Yeah, so we, we know where the Giants uh, have their struggles, right? And I just talked about strategy, right? Uh, I guarantee you, we can talk about Quinn and those guys, and they're going to be a presence on the field. And Roquan but, Smith, who could have been a pro bowler easily. Right. Do respect to every one of those guys. But I'm telling you, the guy right now that's doing this is Hakeem Hicks because he's looking at the Giants' interior, in particular, uh, Will Hernandez, and saying, man, if I'm doing this to some better offensive linemen, I'm going to feast. And so I'm only saying this not to scare Will Hernandez. I'm only saying this to see how well you're going to compete. Yeah, and Matt Skura or whoever else Skura, is yeah. left guard. Look, I've had that feeling. I've lined up against the Washington Redskins when they had the Hawks. And I hate to use this phrase in terms of sports, but it is a true test of your sports manhood. Because these guys, a guy like Hakeem Hicks will eat your lunch show you the empty bag and tell you to go to the store and get him something to drink. <laughs> I mean, he is, he is so good. Like, so on the interior and I, I'm listen again, I ain't saying it to scare you. I'm saying it to see, cause we've seen him at times battle, but here's the thing. You better be fundamentally sound with just playing him straight up or with a twist. But this guy will come for you. He's coming. He's telling you everything he puts on film. He doesn't take play. When he's on the field, he doesn't take plays off. If the run's away from him, you don't have a playoff because he will get inside of you and track it down. Again, this is an addition to their other great defensive linemen. And they don't um, even have Khalil Mack, who's out for the right. year. So I'm telling you, in addition to all the other things, this guy is the one that will take you and, 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 and it's football manhood, right? This is your test. I've been there. Believe me. I've been there where you're facing an offensive line and when with the, the Washington had, uh, uh, Redskins had the hogs and they were the Redskins then, so I'm saying, um, where if you didn't bring it every play, somebody was either getting spit on, stepped on, plowed over. So set your jaw and let's see what you got. Because again, there have been so many question marks about what you haven't done all year. Here's a chance, right? Here's your challenge. Let's see how you hold up. And that goes for the rest of the offensive line because you named three other guys, Roquan and, 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 and the crew. They're all going to challenge you, right? And if you think your offense is, is beat up and raggedy right now, don't start letting those guys get in your backfield because it will be a humiliating day. 
in this right now, these last two games are about pride, self-respect, and you know, focus and finish. Look, the Bears, as good as all those players are, their record is what it is. So there's some there's some plays to be made. But you better you better show up as an offensive line, in particular in your interior guys. You better show up and prove that you belong on the field. These are good players on a bad team, so it can happen, right? You can have a bad season and still have good players. Show that you can be one of those guys. Yeah, they only give up 200 yard, 202 yards a game passing. They're tied for fifth. They got 42 sacks. Another thing that the Giants have to do is be strong with the ball, okay? Because despite all these numbers for the Bears, did you know that they are 30th in takeaways? You know, when you think about some of these Bears teams that have been successful, now look, mm-hmm. the Bears have been to the playoffs twice in the last four years, and the coach is probably getting fired. Um, but in 18 and 20, they went to the playoffs. They forced a lot of turnovers in those years. This year, they only have 12 takeaways, and they're 31st in the NFL, tied for 31st. They only have six interceptions, so don't give them – you know, a short field to play with. The other thing, Carl, I want to bring up about the Bears that, you know, you think about the Bears and you think about, you always think about like a plotting, you know, run first offense, which look, they're going to, they're going to lean on Montgomery. Mm-hmm. He's got five runs of 20 or more yards. But don't sleep on like a guy like Darnell Mooney. I mean, who is a fifth round draft pick last year? He's got, I'm just, I got to look this up. He's got five catches of over 30 yards, and of those, three of them are 52, 60, and 64. So they can hit you with big plays, and they've got the young quarterback, but depending on COVID and everything else and who's coming back, Fields is coming off an ankle, Dalton's coming off the COVID list. I mean, they got a Super Bowl-winning quarterback who came off the bench last week to start and went down to Seattle – or went up to Seattle and, you know, took care of business last week. And then, but last week, the Bears gave up 132 yards rushing. Mm-hmm. So not if it's working, run defense. If it's working, note to offensive coordinators, plural, on this staff. If it ain't broke, don't break it. So if you find something that's working, Keep doing it and then have a counter off of that. Have complimentary plays out of those formations. If you get something that's working, stay in it. That's what teams do that have success. And, and, and to that point, you talked about Montgomery. If you can uh, recall last year when the Giants needed to stop the Bears, yeah. they could not stop Montgomery. Montgomery, they just they just rode him, rode him, rode him to victory. And the Giants defense have got to be aware of that because I'm sure they're going to look at that film and say, well, there's Leonard Williams, there's Dexter Lawrence, there's Lorenzo Carter. All three of those guys were out there. Um, let's give them a dose of what we gave them before and they don't have their linebackers, right? Um, so the Giants defensively last year, when they needed to get a stop against a big back, they couldn't get him to the ground. They just kept getting, there was third downs. They needed a conversion. They gave it to him. So there's that. Um, you talk about Darnell Mooney. Well, here's the thing that I, I, I know that's going to stress the Giants defense is that a guy like Nick Foles understands the timing of routes you look at their route concepts, there's always, it's similar to what the um, Washington football team runs. They have guys down the field, but there's always a guy in the flat. And they designed that so that Justin Fields could always have an outlet. But by design, the way they run you off, that guy that they hit in the flat is going to get you five or six yards before contact, the way they design their offense. But a guy like Foles in, in Dalton, the same. They have they, they have a sense of timing. They're veterans in this league. So here's the other thing. I'm saying that to say, get some damn shoes that work because it's going to be inclement weather. 
19 degrees. 19 degrees is the high for Sunday. That, okay. Plus, if you can recall the last time they played, nobody could stay on their feet. Correct. So I'm going to give you a little advanced scouting. Um, and this one, this one goes to the players. Get some shoes that work because the weather is unpredictable. It's going to be cold. But last year you had trouble standing on your feet. The type of routes that they and run. And that was in September. Yeah. The type of routes, the, the passing concepts that they run. They have window throws. They have guys that the ball's thrown on a break coming out. You better have some shoes that you can put your cleats in the ground with, plant and drive. This is from old school Carl who understands fucking bad weather and played in it and understands where you better have shoes when the weather starts to change. It doesn't matter what, you know, Kit Casso is drawing up on your cleats. It's what's on the bottom of those cleats. Now get some cleats, get some shoes that work, bring a couple pair of them, test them out in the pregame um, and go with the ones that work because that's going to determine some play. Also, we had um, Evan Ingram fall down on a big play, a uh, big third down play for them uh, last year resulted in an interception, not necessarily his fault, but shoes, get shoes that work. That's all equipment is part of this game too. That can give you an advantage. I know it can. And the, and the Giants spent the week practicing on grass uh, at their facility. They couldn't freeze it. Six training center. No, you're right. They, they couldn't freeze it. But I mean, you know, there's no excuses. You got a great equipment staff uh, with Jackie Miles, um, Tim Slayman and company. They got the whole box with all the different studs. If you need to unscrew them and put the longer ones in or whatever the case is. But don't worry about the style. Let's go worry about the substance. Yeah. On, how, on what you're wearing. Yeah. I mean, that's part of it, too. That's part of the scouting. You know, you've got to incorporate that into your game plan. What type of team? can you be based on the conditions? And, you know, we saw that a few weeks ago in Buffalo. Uh, I'm sorry. Was it yeah, New England and Buffalo uh, when they just couldn't pass the ball, but they had to, nobody hit the ground. Nobody fell down in that Patriots game because you know what? They, they put a lot of time into figuring out what shoes they were. And it's not lips. And see, this is where people get tired of hearing the coach. They, you know, all he does is he just talks, 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 talks. Knows he's talking about. Guys got to adhere to some of this stuff too, because I'm sure he's having this conversation. Guys got to get shoes that work. Guys, we're going to practice on grass because these are similar conditions that we may be going through in Chicago. And he's emphasizing this. And if the guys don't adhere to it, then shame on them. But some of these things are very important to strategy. You know, uh, when I prepare for these games, I like to take a look at scoring. And uh, so I, but I remove the returns for scores. You know, when I'm looking at a team, diagnosing a team, we're studying them offensively. So the Bears have three returns for scores this year. So if you take out the three returns for scores, the Bears as an offense are averaging 16.2 points per game. When you take out the returns for scores, the Giants are averaging 16.1 points per game. I took out the return, the McKinney return, and the Leonard Williams safety. Just trying to look at it offensively. Uh, look, the Bears are dead last in passing yards per game, uh, but they will hit you with some big plays. So these are all things that you as fans need to look out for. Um, you know, again, use the believe code B L E A V get 50% off your welcome bonus at bet online Carl in wrapping up here, unless you got it more on this game. No, just, uh, they'll use their tight end this game as well. Um, but there's some, there's always similarities when they're bad teams. There are a lot of categories that, that are, that are similar. Uh, they got some good players on a bad team. The giants have some, but who's going to play above the numbers? Who's going to play to their level of skill? All right. So in closing, I want to ask you, I want to go off, off script here a little bit. Um, and I want to ask you because, you know, the entire NFL world got rocked 
this week when it was announced that John Madden had passed away. Mm -hmm. uh, you were a member of the all Madden team during your career. Um, about four times, I believe. You were a four-time all Madden guy? I believe so, yeah. Four okay. or five. So you were, uh, you know, you were on that team, which, you know, you think about Madden and Summerall, and as they became the dominant broadcast tandem, especially on the games on CBS, because they had the NFC package, the New York football giants were one of the premier teams in the NFC in the eighties. You guys had those epic battles with the Niners, the epic battles with Washington. Dallas was a little bit on the downturn after 86. Um, obviously it's fitting with the bears this weekend that the giants are playing the bears. I mean, you guys battled them in the playoffs. Yeah. Um, first of all, I want to get your thoughts on the passing of coach Madden, who clearly you were around a lot because Madden yeah. and Summerall had a lot of giants games back then. Yeah. Um, listen, John Madden is the best to, to do this. Um, in a booth, I think he took the game and put it in a language that the average fan could understand, embrace it and love it. The good news is he didn't have to deal with, you know, uh, betting point spreads and talking all the, you know, talking about that stuff. He just talked pure football, right? And the thing that that John Madden was just so good at is just breaking down a play in layman's terms, but like he's the guy sitting on the couch next to you, you know, using words like boom, oh, he got smashed on that one. Look at this play. Oh, he's got to, you know, just things that, that also influence what I do with you on the air, making this game, um, talking it in a language that people understand, being able to, to break down the why it happened and the how it happened and what needs to happen the next time they, they, they do something. So um, John Madden is just, just was the greatest to do this. And, you know, there are two, there are two crews that, you know, I grew up with. It was Howard Cosell uh, before I was a professional. It was, uh, you know, Cosell, Dandy Don, and, and um, that crew Frank and Gifford, Frank Gifford. Yeah. And then there was Madden and Summerall. Those those were the the football soundtracks of, of my life as a kid and then as a player. And the one thing about the Madden, uh, all Madden team, you look forward to that more than you look forward to a Pro Bowl because he got it right. When you look at the all Madden teams, there were no glorified um, – guys on there who won the popularity contest he broke it down and he got like when you you made the all madden team you had a video to go with it and he showed you the highlights showed everybody the highlights and why this guy was worthy of being on his team um pro bowls then and pro bowls now are popularity contests there's always going to be a lot of them on there that um were not worthy in terms of their performance but more in popularity but with Madden, you could always count on – he had a standard for being on the all-Madden team. You weren't on there because you were a cheerful personality, but because you, you played extremely well. Played well, played hard, played gritty, played dirty yeah. in the sense of doing dirty things that needed to get the job done. Mm -hmm. And Coach's eye, I mean, it's – I mean, and, and the power that he had – uh, the reach that he had, you know, and you hear uh, all these tributes that have been set, you know, guys said when coach Madden, when John Madden was calling our games, players that played in the different eras, even after he went to Fox, you mm -hmm. knew it was a big game. If Madden and Summerall were there, that meant you were playing in a big game. Yep. And if John Madden was pumping you up, I mean, that's like your own coach going on TV and pumping you yeah. up. He was that respected. And you wanted to have your best games when those guys were calling it too. You wanted to shine. You want you wanted to hear, like when you got home, and your phone was ringing, 
you wanted your friends to say, man, Madden was talking so good about you, man. Madden was pumping you up. You were, you were balling, but Madden, man, Madden gave you your due. Look at Carl Banks right here. Look at him. He sheds the light. Bam. <laughs> All right. One final thing uh, with the Giants playing the Bears. For our younger fans that may not be as familiar with this, you know, 1985, you guys lost to the Bears at Soldier Field. You know, they had the Super Bowl mm-hmm. shuffle team. The Giants came back with their own dominant defense in 1986 um, and, you know, went on to win 14 games in the regular season and deliver the Giants their first ever Super Bowl championship. You know, there was a rivalry that existed between the two teams. You know, they, they competed for championships against each other in the 30s and the 40s and the 50s until, you know, 1963. Um but after the 85 playoff game, you guys didn't meet in the postseason again until 1990, which you guys won on your way to Super Bowl 25. Can you just talk about that rivalry a little bit between the New York Giants and the Chicago Bears at that time, and especially the Giant defense against the Bears defense and kind of bragging rights as the most dominant kick-ass defense in the NFL at the time? Yeah, so you know you had the 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 famous uh, Buddy Ryan forty six um, defensive front that wreaked havoc all over the league. We were in nineteen eighty five really really good, a great defense, um, but they got all of the hype right. And you know I'd be lying if I said we weren't looking at some of the things like Richard Dent and, and Mike Singletary and Otis Wilson and um, Wilbur Marshall. And they're saying, well, <clears throat> their linebackers are better than our linebackers. You know, Marshall, Singletary, and, and Otis Wilson. And, you know, we can later on in life say that we were fans of those players. But then when you had Carson... Taylor, Banks, reasons, right? We held our own. Like now, not no, 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 no. I'm, I'm, I'm discounting that. We were, we were badass, right? Yeah. So uh, we wanted to to get our due respect too. And then there was, you know, uh, Leonard Marshall versus um, Richard Dent, and then Dan Hampton versus a um, Jim Burke, Jim right? Burt, so yeah. we all, there were all these comparisons. We went to Chicago, they beat us. The next year we dominated again, they did not. Um, so we had a score to settle. When, when, where, whenever we saw them again, we, you know, we wiped the slate clean when we beat them, but we knew coming out of that game in 85, that there was still another level we could take it to. And I think what we did is it, it, it didn't even have to be said. After that game, we knew that that following year, we were going to win a Super Bowl, but we knew that we were going to prove that there was a, still another level we could go to. We went to it. We dominated the league, um, win a Super Bowl, dominate in the Super Bowl defensively. Um, and then you know, there's, you know, there's a time in life where the guy kicked your ass and, you know, years later you see him again and it's like, what's up, you know? And so we had to settle the score um, and we beat them in 90. It wasn't the same teams, but it was the same helmet, some of the same players. Um, they still had that. Yeah, we, we whooped your ass. And so we were like, okay, well, what's up? Here we go. Let's go. Yeah, and the league did something that, like, they hadn't really done, like, creating these marquee matchups. If you remember, um, in 1987, which turned out to be the strike year, but before the strike, they had you guys open up on Monday night in Chicago. Bears Mm -hmm. beat you that night. Mm -hmm. But it was like they they matched up the previous two Super Bowl champions. There's a lot of hype in that. But when it it mattered most, you guys beat them in the 90 playoffs on your way to – Super Bowl uh, 25 in that win. All right. Well, Carl, as we like to say to our friends out there. Tell a friend to tell a friend. Hopefully we've given you a little something 
that you can look forward to this week, giving you some things in our review that um, not, uh, we don't want to increase your rage, but we want to help you understand where, uh, in a sober manner, where things can and should go. And so why. we'll do, we'll do it again. Happened. Yeah. We'll and do why it they happen. Yeah. Why they happen and why they happen. And sometimes why they happen. Why they happen. <laughs> uh, wish everybody a happy new year. Hopefully 2022 can deliver the Giants a first win of that calendar year. And like we said before, don't worry about the draft pick. It doesn't matter necessarily all that much. It matters if you make the right pick. Yeah. So tell, tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend. Carl Banks, I'm Bob Boff. We'll see you next week. Believe in Giants. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.